Thank you so much, Claire, for coming on to my podcast as my first guest. I'm so excited to have you here. I know that we work in DEI together, but you're also, we're also both architecture students at the School of Architecture at Syracuse University. Um, so I'll let you talk about yourself first and introduce yourself. So I'm currently a third year architecture student. I'm minoring in disability studies. I'm on DEI, like you said, um, and I help create the uh, learning difference and disability subcommittee for that. Uh, let's see what else do I do? Yeah, I've, I've done some research with combining architecture and disability, and I kind of want to continue that for thesis and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So do you, this is just a general like question, do you identify with any of these categories or disciplines, professions, or modes of work? Architect, artist, activist, and or student, and why you fit within these categories? Yes, I used all of them. <laughs> uh, architecture, obviously, because I'm studying architecture, student, still student. <laughs> uh -huh. um, see. You said activist, right? Yeah. I guess I've always been interested in making a difference within architecture. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't see a point in just building a building that makes a lot of money, <laughs> you know, yeah. big project. Um, for me, it has to make a difference and help someone in the process. Do you want to talk a little bit about the research that you've done? Yes. So uh, last semester, I did an independent study with a law professor. Um, so let's see, how do I, where do I start? <laughs> so I was interested in looking at the architectural disability laws um, for accessibility, mainly for physical disabilities, just as a starting point for research. And I compiled all the laws, went through all that, did the research behind that, and then interviewed people with different physical disabilities to see what shortcomings they find are in buildings when they navigate uh, buildings. So I had a participant that was blind, deaf, um, mobility impaired, and then someone with the um, intellectual disability too. So it was really interesting to get their perspectives because a lot of things that as an able-bodied person, I don't see, but as an architect, I can do something about that knowing their perspectives now. So yeah. And that's kind of led me to think about uh, maybe pursuing public policy or law after I graduate. Uh, we'll see about that. And I think um, the next step is I want to do research um, more with an architecture professor, but the material science and helping people with um, invisible disabilities like PTSD, anxiety, depression, learning disabilities, all those kind of things, and what kind of materials and um, design choices we can make to help those kind of people in public settings. That sounds really interesting. Was there any information that you learned in these interviews that surprised you? Oh my gosh, just like things that I thought would be common knowledge or at least that I thought architects would uh, think about. <laughs> but obviously they missed. Um, and it's just these like uh, big public buildings, like uh, Bird Library is one of the buildings I specifically asked about. And just the lack of accessibility that I don't really think about all that much, but I do start to notice it more now. And it just, it really frustrated me <laughs> to hear these people's perspectives because it's like, wow, they have to go through so much extra than I do. They have to really plan out every single thing and what if they can't get into a building what if they don't have certain things and what if they're stuck <laughs> you know yeah. what do they do so they don't have the autonomy that able-bodied people have 
But a lot of these people still have autonomy on their own because they've learned how to overcome it. Makes sense. Maybe the way that like we can think about it as architects is that the building, I guess, takes away that autonomy from them. Yep. Because on their own, they're fine. But yeah. when you design a building that um, requires the use of, a, for example, a stair, it prohibits them from entering. Thing that I didn't really think about was the blind perspective. So if you're using, um, you know, the walking stick to feel where you are, she specifically told me that on the quad on campus is really hard for her because there's no edge next to the grass. You just end up in the grass. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. I never thought about yeah. the quad. And just like little things like that, I never really thought about. And I was like, oh yeah. I mean, when they don't plow the snow right away, you, you do end up in the grass, but you don't think about it because, you know, usually you see it unless it snows. It really confirmed that it's not the people that are disabled. It's the environment that's disabling. Mm-hmm. Also like thinking about weather with Syracuse, yeah. you have the plows come through like every day when it's really snowy, but then mm-hmm. the cars park on one side of the street, they can't plow on that side of the street. And yeah. also sidewalk plows are really inconsistent. Like that affects the ground texture and also the salt that we put on the ground, it also affects the texture of the ground. And so it's yeah. very confusing and also very unpredictable for a lot mm-hmm. of people who are visually impaired. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And also if you have like a service animal, like a dog, yeah, to think about them too. And like, you don't want to get salt in their paws, you know, all that kind of stuff too. Mm-hmm. You know, just so much extra that has to go into, oh, you know, I just want to run and get a coffee or run and go to the library and get this book. You know, there's so many extra steps that go into that because, you know, we're not really as architects, our campus planning committee or whatever the name is, doesn't really quite think it through from the disabled perspective. So well, yeah. from a law perspective, do you think that there are ways that we can implement laws to prevent this? Like, I know that the thing about disabilities, it's so different and it's so specific to each individual. Do you yeah. think that by, I guess, creating laws or abolishing laws or going it from that top-down perspective is an effective way to go? Or if there's like ways that we need to go from both directions to address I, issues? Obviously, I think both directions, but specifically... There needs to be a lot of work done. Um, the ADA needs to be overhauled again. The frustrating thing for me is that there's so many different accessibility laws for different um, situations. Like I was an intern now at the Institute for Human Center Design, and they had me just look at the accessibility laws for multifamily housing for Massachusetts. And that's a ton of things to go through. So I understand why architects get annoyed and frustrated because they don't always know which one to go with and that kind of thing. But that's where uh, policymakers can really make a change. So if there was just one set of laws, like a few different or different uh, state standards to just really streamline the process, I, I think that would be way more helpful. And then also these laws are written by people in law. <laughs> so they're not written for the audience, which is architects, you know. So the drawings, they're pretty subpar <laughs> for an architect to really understand. So if it was more of a visual format, it'd be so much better and just easier to understand for architects, you know, for visual people, at least. So tell me about this um, internship, because I've heard a little bit about it, and I know that you've organized a couple of lectures from yeah. the internship, which sounds really exciting, but I haven't really heard the details. Yeah, so Professor Show actually introduced me to the firm. It's not a traditional architecture firm. They do um, 
accessibility design work and also research. So they cover a wide range of different things. It's nonprofit. Um, so the project I was working on was a nonprofit project, which was really interesting. And there's so many people from different professions, like on the team I was on, I was kind of the head of, head of the project, like I was doing all the work and I just had someone checking over what I was doing, which was kind of scary. <laughs> so it was new since um, I was like, wow, this is like real work. <laughs> yeah. so I had two architects that oversaw my drawings and that kind of stuff, but then I had someone from the uh, ADA New England Center that was checking over the legal aspects of everything I was doing, make sure the wording was correct. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that's the tricky part, um, is getting all the wording correct and combining all the different laws together. So yeah, so basically what I did is I looked at the different kitchen types. So L-shape, B-shape, uh, pass-through kitchen, and I did all the drawings, all the models and renderings for that. I did plans and elevations. So um, architects could understand how the accessibility laws work, but in a visual format that works for architects. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it's basically like, here's what you got to do. Hmm? Just to be disseminated to like everyone, or was it a target like group of architects or firm specifically? Target for Massachusetts architects. I looked at the MAAB, so that's specifically for Massachusetts, which... Hmm. I, I think I got those memorized by now for kitchen. <laughs> Are there any laws that you came across? Because I'm not super familiar with the specific laws either. I know like the specific widths of ramps and like ratios, yeah. but are there laws that are less known that you think should be more visible to architects, especially during education? Hmm. I, I think just the exposure to uh, different state laws. Because Massachusetts is actually, they take it a step further then ADA, you know, ADA is a standard for the U.S. But some states I found do a little bit extra and there's some states that are like, it's just, you know, ADA, <laughs> that's it. So it was interesting to look at what Massachusetts thought was important in the multifamily homes. Uh, so yeah, I, I think just being aware and then also it's just knowing where the resources are. <laughs> yeah. In our education, I feel like this semester taking ABS was the first time they really like talked about ADA, which is really interesting to me. I've always known about it, but for this to be the first semester, for some people, it's their fourth year. For me, it's my third year. Yeah. It kind of shocked me a bit. (laughs) It is. It is really shocking that that's the only time that it's brought up and I'm in comp studio right now. And that's the only time that they're really looking, checking. We're aware, but we also did only just have one lecture um, about ADA and that was kind of Mm -hmm. it. And now we're on to like materials and tectonics and architectonics, you know? And so that's just the really extent of it. If you don't listen to the lecture, then Mm -hmm. you missed it or you have to recording. But it's not really ingrained into our minds the way that like, you know, those words that we learned freshman year of like intersect, dive, yeah. you know what I mean? Like overlap, like those words that we use to like design for mm-hmm. that was really ingrained in our bodies and then how yeah. we design like ADA or these um, regulations that people need to move throughout the building are not ingrained compared to that. So back to being students, what do you think is the best part of being an architecture student or the most difficult part? Uh, best part? specifically with architecture is you get right into it so I've had more flexibility uh being able to get right into 
research and what I want to do rather than waiting till like junior, senior year or um, fifth year, you know, to do research. Yeah. So I think that's been the best part. And also not taking quite as many gen eds. <laughs> Just nice. Uh, yeah. Is how much we have to understand. I feel like we have to know like a little bit of everything. We have to know a little bit like ecology, environmental studies, humanities, you know, math, physics, engineering, <laughs> you know, a little bit of every topic to understand what's going on. And also just the workload is so intense for people with disabilities. Like it is no joke. I, one thing that frustrates me is there's not many people with uh, disabilities in architecture. Part of the reason why we're lacking the understanding of what these people go through is because there's like no architects that have disabilities really. And if they do, they don't talk about it as much. Mm -hmm. It's really hidden. I think for the most part or suppressed by our our culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, with the whole conversation studio culture, like, do you have any experiences with studio culture or thoughts on it, the problems and how we possibly change these problems? I've had so many issues with just the thought of studio culture. And I know they keep saying, oh, but we've changed it. We're trying to change it. But it really comes down to the students and also what the the, professors expect. Change doesn't happen until they change what they're teaching us. Mm -hmm. Uh, The biggest issues is the volume of stuff. (laughs) And also you some people take longer to do things if you have a disability you might process things slower but that doesn't mean you can't do the work just means it takes you a bit longer and when you're going at such a fast pace and they tell you on tuesday this is what you need for thursday or thursday this is what you need for friday it's almost impossible to get everything done for studio your other classes sleep do all these other things to do when you just moved away from home too you know (laughs) so yeah that and then also just the environment in studio amongst the students. It's kind of competitive. I don't think people really understand disability. So when you're not staying up at 2 a.m. with everyone else, mm-hmm. when at 8 a.m., <laughs> you're like, you know, what are you doing? Why aren't you doing what everyone else is doing? Yeah, it's that herd mentality. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I think that's one of the biggest issues with studio culture. And if you're not a part of that herd, you get left out. You get really isolated pretty quickly. I think that even in addition to like disability and like working differently, there's a whole aspect of learning differences that is not addressed when a professor in, for example, a history class says, I need you to write these notes in this style and submit them, you know, in that specific way. It's a problem, right? And you see that a lot in architecture because they're like, you have to draw next to your notes and you have to annotate in this way. And there's this expectation that's been set you know, Mm -hmm. over the years. And I think that definitely needs to change because learning difference and disability are like a spectrum. It's like, um, do you pick the class you want to take because you're interested in the subject or do you pick the professor because you know they're more accommodating? You know what I mean? You're not making, the school isn't making all these classes accessible because technically the professors do have to give you the accommodations. Mm -hmm. They can't make your life as hard as hell, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, to get those accommodations. Yeah, accommodations are one thing, but then, you know, getting them and then other people knowing that you have them or your professor knowing that you need them yeah. is like there's a treatment that comes after it, consequences. Yeah, and architecture professors, I feel like some of them, they do treat you differently if you have accommodations. They're like, 
you can't do the work the same amount of work as everyone else so you're not good enough mm-hmm. that's basically it. some of that it's not true obviously yeah <laughs> so it's just little things like that are hard with studio culture and then also people that have like OCD or that really have to plan you know people with ADD really have to plan things so they don't miss anything mm-hmm. <laughs> and so when you're given a schedule that has the midterm final and then you're told you have due date every every day pretty much I need written instructions or I'll not going to pay attention <laughs> not really that you're not going to pay attention it's just like you're you might miss something so things like that I think could be helpful for everyone especially people with disabilities but also people without disabilities too mm-hmm. just... for a general organization exactly yeah, yeah. Architecture is a lot of work, right? Like we, we, we all agree on that, but if we don't really talk about the additional work that you have to do to yeah. get accommodation and to get these additional instructions, if you have yeah. to get the accommodation or mm-hmm. you know, have some kind of other issue that you need to be addressed with a professor yeah. in the class. And also besides disabilities, like people that have things going on with their health, you got to go to the health center. Mm-hmm. Professor, they kind of peeved about that and they they get real mad if you go in the middle of class. But what can you do when studios one to five? Yeah. Doesn't leave you much other time to go. Yeah, that's another thing. It's like studio is one to five, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday for most years. And Mm -hmm. abroad is a little bit different, but still the same hours, just a different time. And it's like, what is that? 12 hours a week. And then for six credits, Mm -hmm. when credit hours should equal the number of hours you spend in class. Yeah. And so I feel like that, first of all, is unequal. And then the hours that you have to put in take away from normal resources that you might need on campus. Yes. Exactly. I want to know, like, what communities, groups, and networks do you support? And how do you kind of incorporate this into your identity as an architect? I think one of the biggest ones, especially at Syracuse, is the disability studies uh, minor. Wow, forgot the word. <laughs> It's just a really great program. There's a lot of really great professors and it's in the education department. So they really understand disabilities too. <laughs> so, uh, which hopefully they would, right? So yeah. uh, I think that's a really good place. And then also the Disabilities Cultural Center. Uh-huh. Um, it's on campus. I feel like they could do more programming, but I think they're doing a pretty good job so far. And they, they have a space on campus, which is nice. Usually they're like, those kind of things are tucked away in the corner. Mm-hmm. But, but in shine which is nice do you know if you're the only um architecture major with a disability studies minor i think i am what is that conversation like with people when you start to kind of incorporate your uh, major because you know how when we talk about being an architecture major to anyone who's not an architect there's a typical response yeah Um, so you get that typical response but then how do you find these intersections or have this dialogue with disability studies majors or professors i think they're really excited at least the professors are um professors are excited to see the combination of the two i don't know what his title is but professor uh, gill who's in charge of the disability studies program he's been so helpful and any like idea that's not like linear like on the papers he's like yeah go for it <laughs> this is so so nice it's like you can actually make a difference instead of just being like, oh, you know, I took the sauce. They really let you kill your projects to your interests. Also, I published, I'm in the process of publishing a paper that he, it helped me um, find a journal for and that kind of thing. So I think just the humanities mm-hmm. are all a lot different. Yeah, <laughs> um, the environment. It's kind of similar to women and gender studies, that mm-hmm. kind of, you know, field too. But 
I think students, when I follow them, disability studies minor, they're kind of confused. They, they don't exactly know what disability studies is, first of all. <laughs> I don't think they understand how it relates to architecture, too. It's more than EDA. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. And then interviewing for jobs and that kind of stuff. I think uh, they've been really interested in my work. They're like, oh, that's different. You know? So I, I think in a good way, though. So that's been, mm-hmm. that's been nice. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Like, especially in the women's and gender studies department, it's incredible to see the difference that professors have an attitude towards like workload and accommodation. Like if I've ever asked an extension, it's absolutely yes. I understand, you know, rather than like, why would you need an extension? You know, and so it's just so drastic. Yeah. And it's shocking in a good way. Mm hmm. So, wait, I want to hear about this paper that you're publishing. <laughs> so, it's the research that I did last semester. Uh-huh. And um, my, the professor that's overseeing it was like, you need to publish this. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the journal or where are you publishing it? It's called Knots. It's out of University of Toronto, Canada. There's a lot of Canadian journals that do uh, disability studies and that kind of thing. So, uh, it's really open-ended. It's anyone's experience research experience it's not like a scientific journal that's like mm-hmm. this is a study you have to follow these kind of stuff yeah. and that kind of thing. um it's more of arts and humanities well i mean it is arts and humanities uh, journals mm-hmm. it'll be really interesting to see all the other ones in it too so yeah. it should be out june hopefully well that's really incredible congratulations mm-hmm. for yeah. being published soon <laughs> i feel like very few especially architecture majors publish <laughs> their writing Mm-hmm. So, so you're going to get a bachelor in architecture yeah. and then you plan on possibly going into policy studies or maybe law in the future. Where do you see your career path going? Yeah, so I know somewhere down the line, I want to consult for integrating accessibility early on in the design process. So maybe at a, like a larger firm, mm-hmm. that thing where we can have more outreach, but who knows? We'll see. <laughs> I'm considering... Grad school, it's expensive though. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm not really sure if I want to stick to an architecture program, mm-hmm. you know, because we do have a professional degree already once you graduate. So if I do want to do an architecture degree, I'd prefer to go somewhere like a Michigan and get an MS. That's really exciting. I hope you listen to this podcast later on when you get accepted to Michigan. <laughs> That'd be really fun, right? <laughs> so I know this is like an annoying question, um, but I'm going to ask it because I want to know. So in what ways have the events this past year um, affected your studies? Oh my goodness. Uh, a loaded topic. Yeah. <laughs> so I think first off, um, it's made people a bit more understanding because they're all freaked out and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, oh, wow, you can't do as much work as uh, we speak of you. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to, like, hound you down for it, you know. Uh-huh. But that's been one thing that's really good. Then I don't have to, like, produce a ton of, ton of stuff. I can just really focus on one or two drawings at time. So that's been helpful for me. I think also it's made me just think about more what I want to do in the future, research projects, just have time to think. <laughs> yeah. And just also see how different states do things too. 
people with disabilities, how they have access to vaccines. So I'm going to start asking some concluding questions. This has been a really great interview. What does Alliance support and or solidarity mean to you? Hmm. I think first off, we have to be understanding that everyone is going through something. We may or may not be able to see what everyone's going through. What do you think are some specific action items you would recommend to be in alliance or in solidarity with, to those with disability or those just around you? I think the first one would be to learn how to advocate for yourself. You gotta learn how to do it. Mm. Um, to really look at things differently, like, oh, this is happening to me, but what can I learn from it? How can I take my experience and help someone with it? It's also mm -hmm. it's really, really good. So. so what are you looking forward to in the future of your field of architecture and disability studies? I'm currently <laughs> trying to do another research project with um, Professor Sharifi. So I think it'll be interesting to see the more scientific study. I yeah. Um, point of view of architecture and disability studies. So instead of looking at the wall, looking at the materiality of things, I think um, I'm excited to see how my work can start to um, bring conversation around disability in, in Slocum. <laughs> that, that would be really exciting for me. So yeah. And then also the lecture that I helped organize in April that That'll be so great. I'm so excited for that. And then also we're planning a symposium for our picture students to understand what it's like to have a physical disability. So that will be a lot of fun. Hopefully um, there'll be less social distancing restrictions or that kind of thing. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you, Claire, so much for your time. I really appreciate you being a participant in this podcast. And I really appreciate, you know, your thoughtful answers. And I'm really excited for the symposium in the fall. I hope I can help out in any way. Yeah. And I know we want to try to engage freshmen and sophomores. I know. We're so disconnected right now, but yeah, I'm looking forward to the fall. I'm looking forward to making that connection with the entire school again so that yeah. we build this community.